Hello, everyone, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We're a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your intrepid hosts, Joe Praska, and with me, as always, is... Your other host, Khalid Hussain. Also intrepid. So intrepid. Honestly, it goes without saying. Yeah, how's it going, Khalid? Oh, man, I'm gravy, baby. How are you doing? I'm pretty... Yeah, turkey. <laughs> I wasn't sure where to go with that. Sorry. Really? I couldn't tell. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so you're turkey. You got to own it. Yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. No, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a, it's a, it's a Sunday night for us here, and it's been a good... I just got coming off a long weekend. I had MEA break from my school slash work, uh, which is Minnesota education something or other, for those of you non-Minnesotans. <laughs> Uh, it's a Minnesota thing, so but it's when teachers get uh, a couple days off work. See, I know that I don't know what MEA stands for, and I never did. But I'm also yeah. not a teacher, so like that's <laughs> that's like more acceptable for me not to know. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> alliance or advocate. You know, I don't know something. Yeah, with yeah. an A, it's presumably with something. an A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know how much I I guess I pay attention to that stuff. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> in case my bosses are listening yeah and just in case <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh khalid i'm pretty excited to ex- to introduce our guest today yeah should, should we get into that? let's do yeah. it back again for his third appearance on frankenstein's podcast is writer filmmaker horror enthusiast west coast strange himself host of the no stranger to horror podcast mr joel h brewster welcome back Thank you so much, guys. Always a pleasure to be here. I thank you so much for having me back on. We love having you, Joel. Joel, the man, the myth. The myth, the legend. (laughs) (laughs) We're great, man. How are you? Good, good. Really excited to dive into this one. I'm excited also because I wanted to ask you, I saw that you posted recently that you uh, received an award from the Vancouver Badass Film Fest. Could you elaborate on that? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I won an award for the feature film screenplay uh, section of the Badass Film Festival, which is a competition in Vancouver. And yeah, I, I won it for a, a creature feature. And I, I want to partially thank you guys, too, because I was I really listened to a lot of what you guys had thoughts on different horror movies. And I, I feel like I kind of added that element into my movie. So I, I want to thank you guys for helping me win that, too. Damn. Yeah. OK, so we're co-writers is what I'm hearing. That's awesome. Yeah, we get, that's we get right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, writing is so easy, Joe. Like, oh, I don't yeah. even I don't even feel like we did anything. You just inspire minds. It's not it's not easy, but in another way, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So is so you said it was this it was this the feature film script. Did you make so you haven't made the movie yet? Is that true or no? Yeah, I haven't made the movie yet. Um, this was just this. It was just a screenplay competition part of the uh, festival. And that's, part that's I so want. cool. Are you uh, planning to make it soon? I hope so. Um, I'm hoping to put it through a couple more competitions, get it some more eyes on it. Um, up next, it's uh, in the running of the Bloodless competition, which is one that I'm really hoping to uh, do well, and I won't know till Friday. Um, and that's after that, I, I feel like if I can do something in there, then uh, I'd be off to the races. Damn, well, congratulations and good luck. Yeah, Thank rooting you so for much. you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm excited to see the final product when it comes out. I know you've you've done a couple short films that are all pretty great too, so I'm excited to see your try your hand at a feature. Thank you. Yeah, I really am too, and I think that it's gonna be a really weird one um, that I think you guys really like. And we'll cover it on the podcast. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'll be great. You'll you'll have to guest on that one too, Joel. Oh yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, well, again, yeah, great to have you back. Uh. Before we dig into the movie today, I just wanted to make sure that we announce to our podcast listeners that this will be the last Frankenstein's podcast for a little while. Not entirely. We will be back, uh, but we're going to be taking a short hiatus. I will definitely put this on the socials as well. But uh, unfortunately, your Tuesdays will not be brightened by our presence uh, bi-weekly or bi-monthly. I I mix those up all the time. But uh, Anyway, we're going to come back, uh, as many of you have heard, and if you've listened to this podcast or my other podcast, Deep Space Love, uh, my wife Nicole is having a baby in mid-November, so we will be spending some time dealing with that, I'd say, and then uh, and then we'll get back to monsters eventually once the baby's settled into being alive, I guess you could say. 
<laughs> once it's yeah. once it's gotten into that groove of living, yeah, gotten in that groove. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you, Joel. Um, You're but I uh, I just wanted to say that Khalid, before when we move into what we're talking about today, we have a we have a good choice uh, for a film for our last one for a while. Um, and you know what they say, Khalid, you got to go big or gourd home, right? You know, let's just let's just give them a pumpkin to talk about. You know what I mean? Okay, I know we initially said that we weren't going to do the podcast anymore because of Joe's upcoming parenthood stuff, but it now it's because of this. Uh this is the thing that breaks us. Uh I'm going to need at least 2 months, if not longer, to just get over that. God. Come back with extra dad jokes too. They were good uh, ones. They're good ones. Thank yeah, you. he'll only come back with he'll only come back more powerful. That's the problem. Like he's he'll yeah. be twice as dad. Yeah. That's I'm excited for it. I'm, I I bet our listeners are very pumped for what I can come up with next. No, no, pumped is the wrong <laughs> word. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that I feel something for it. <laughs> okay. So is that my is that my segue into the movie? That's your segue. What are we talking about, Khalid? <laughs> All right. Today we are talking about the 1989. I thought it was 1988. Anyways, today we are talking about the 1989 film directed by Stan Winston t- uh, called Pumpkinhead. And we've got a description from our homeboy Google, and it goes a little something like this. After his son dies in a hit-and-run accident, Ed Harley seeks revenge against the teenagers responsible. With the help of a local witch, Ed summons the vengeful demon Pumpkinhead to hunt and kill the group of friends. But when Ed discovers a bomb between himself and the creature, he begins to have second thoughts about employing the vicious monster, and he fights to end Pumpkinhead's murderous rampage before it's too late. Done. What a monster. That creature's at the abstract level of potential energy. It's alive! Boom, good description, Khalid. Thank you. Thanks, Khalid. Thanks, yeah. Google, I should say. Yeah, homeboy Google. You, yeah. you, you really just got us through all of these. <laughs> so, uh, initial thoughts, guys. Uh, what'd you think? Joel, since you're the guest, why don't you tell us first? What'd you think of this movie? And have you seen it before? I had never seen it before, and I have something to openly admit, embarrassingly, right away, because I thought it was funny, and I had to write down that I thought this. I was so dumb that I knew of the movie. I'd known of the monster. Um, I'd seen some stuff on the movie, but I wasn't too familiar on it. So when I sped read, like when I was speed reading about the movie somewhere, I don't know where I picked this up, but I, for whatever reason, thought it was about teens who killed, who smashed pumpkins. And then from there, a pumpkin monster thought those were its kids. And that was what the vengeance was about. Boy, did I feel dumb huh. when I actually reread the actual line and what the movie was about for uh, Father's Vengeance. Um, I was really embarrassed, <laughs> but I really, yeah, I enjoyed the movie overall. And it's, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And I, I the monster design was just phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Khalid? Um, yeah, I'm on the same camp as Joel. I had no idea what this movie was until you brought it up. Uh, I also guess, uh, based on nothing except a title, thought it was going to actually be like a monster with a pumpkin for a head. Uh, so that was that was a rude awakening when it was just like a monster with a big head. Um, I yeah, I dig it. It's it's actually I was nervous because like with some of these older movies, it's very much like. Uh, lightning in a bottle with like how much you enjoy it. And sometimes like the ship just passes as far as when you, when you can even enjoy it. But with this one, like the, the storyline just really zips along. Like pretty much as soon as you're introduced to all the main players, like the story has started and everything is, is starting to go the way you think it's going to go. And it does not waste any time. So I really like the efficiency of it. Um, we'll get into the creature effects, but I thought those were really great, especially for its time period. Uh, and yeah, man, like this is this is a cool movie. Pumpkinhead. Agreed. Agreed. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before, but I think I might have said it somewhere else is that this is actually the movie, uh, one of the movies that really inspired my love of monsters, honestly. Like I, I'd say it's this and like the Xenomorph back in the day when I was really young. Like I watched Alien, the Alien movies a ton, but this one for some reason was on TV a lot 
when I was younger, I don't know what station, but I, I just caught always caught bits and pieces of it. And I always thought the monster was just so fascinating and cool. Um, and I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that's just such a unique looking creature. Although now I, I see like similarities between the Xenomorph and the pumpkin head actually quite a bit, but, um, I don't know. It just, I just thought it was like, oh, you can make weird monsters. Uh, and they're just interesting to look at or interesting to learn more about and, and interesting to see how they're brought to life. So I, I, I kind of attribute pumpkin head to one of the, as one of the inspirations for Frankenstein's podcast in a sense. Um, but anyway, no, I really liked it. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, so I wasn't sure how well it would hold up. Um, but I was pretty impressed with, uh, with how well it did. I think that, um, it kind of feels unique in the realm of these sort of like slasher type movies. Uh, it's not just like a master, like quippy killer, you know, hunting down people for the sake of it. There's like this Gothic fable element or it's like specifically a Southern Gothic fable element to it with like a morality play too. And I think all of that just made it for a really interesting, made an interesting movie that kind of made it stand out among the pack, even though it doesn't always in that sense. in like the cultural zeitgeist, uh, it's got a pop culture or like a cult following, but, um, I don't know if it necessarily has like the household recognition, you know, that's something like alien or the thing or any of those other movies would, but um, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really good. I, I really dug it. Yeah. I would agree with you on the, like, I don't know. It definitely feels like very throwback in so far as uh, the, the moralistic tale to it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, like, uh, it, it it if it wasn't like for how old of a movie it was like it would feel borderline cliche with like some of it with like the yeah. teenagers that come into a town and like the creepy townsfolk and even the like story at the very beginning that's like from long ago it all it all feels like something we've all seen in one form or another but mm. be, but there's something so novel about it because you know how old the movie is yeah, and there was one thing that I thought that was really fascinating about it for me was uh, when the like the teens came in originally, I was just like, oh, okay, it's like you're saying it's very cliche in that way. But then I thought that their performance when like shit like kind of hit the fan for them, I thought they like amped up their acting for some reason. I thought originally I was like, oh, these are just like your standard cliche like teen actors of the time. And then I thought like once soon as they got into danger, I was like, oh wow, I really feel like these teens are in danger in this story really like amplified that way and usually i feel with 80s movies they kind of stay this like across the board like from the beginning to end their their acting doesn't really change but this really had a difference to it that way for me yeah i can kind of see what you're saying i felt like um uh, i mean the teen the definitely in the beginning the teens felt pretty uh forgettable and interchangeable to me i think as it went on like uh, a bunch, i mean uh, they're uh, they're very much so fodder for pumpkin head for the most part but like uh the main the main girl i can't remember her name the the main the the one who's kind of being um is it tracy Kim? tracy oh, no tracy. it's tracy like she was kind of cool because she when she's locked in the closet i wrote this line and when we get out of here joel's gonna be carrying his balls home in a knapsack joel from the movie not, <laughs> not, not yeah, joel here but too. yeah <laughs> that was a good line though but like she i mean like she was kind of a cool like um like center like figure of that group to focus on i did find like other than the joel character who is just explicitly there to be a dick completely like just an asshole i think they try to redeem him a little bit um it didn't it didn't uh, we could get into that but it didn't really work for me but um i think she was like the most memorable piece to it and, and she brought like a kind of a, a like a humanity to the characters who i thought thought in the beginning were just i thought they were super uh one-dimensional at first i don't know what do you think Khalid? uh uh, joel the 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 kid killer uh not not our friend joel uh uh, you know what for the sake of like just clarifying this i think we should like give him a different name or something um i'll just say the actor's name i guess john dacchino um yeah, John DeKino. Uh, which fun fact, he's actually the president in Corey in the house, if if he looks familiar to anybody. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Something to think about. Um <laughs> and yeah, like I I I know you said he didn't work for you, Joe, but he really worked for me. And I think that it's because I recently rewatched uh I Know What You Did Last Summer. And mm-hmm. you guys have both seen that, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Watch the series so, now. So too. Yeah, yeah, there's a series. Oh, uh, I, I need to get your thoughts on the series later. But um, the 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 Ryan Philippi character in I Know What You Did Last Summer is almost like the like grandson of that of John Dacino's character. You know what I mean? In the sense that like they literally have like the same trajectory of like 
they are drunkenly operating a vehicle and somebody dies because of it. And then they just become abusive psychopaths to their friends in the name of not getting caught. And that's what leads to all of them getting killed. So like, that was a really cool parallel for me having just recently watched it. And uh, I liked it as like the proto, I know what you did last summer and that it was like, I know what you did 30 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I'm not saying like, I don't think the, the, the trajectory of his character didn't work for me. I just, I think that there are parts where the movie was trying to make you sympathize with them. I think those didn't work for me. Like, I didn't oh, sympathize no, that didn't with work him at all. Like, yeah, no. in, a, in a lot of ways, not even just from the actual accident. Like, I think just his reaction is part of why that kid died is like, they maybe could have yeah. like saved him in any number of ways if he didn't like make them all run to a cabin and hide. Yeah, uh-huh. no, he's objectively horrible, I feel like. But there's a part where they're trying to feel like he's like, oh, I was a screw up my whole life and this all this bad things happened to me. And I'm like, dude, I just I don't care at this point. You just yeah. you're just you're just an ass. Yeah, they did way too much to make that character terrible to be like, hey, you know what? <laughs> feel bad for him, but it's a little late for that. Yeah. But but no, I see what you're saying, Khalid. I think that I think your point of like the like the way that it propels the story is really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, and I mean, yeah, like you, you needed at least one of them to be unsympathetic for everything that the dad does to make any sense or like be like worth uh, pursuing as the audience. So Mm. uh, I think he was good for that just to, just to kind of keep this two sided. Cause otherwise it's just like an act, an accident for a poor kid that like ends with these hill people using magic on them. They also did a lot to really make the kid like cute. Like they did, I feel like they did like, an excess amount and and they did a lot in the first 25 minutes to make uh the joel character just horrible you know like so any any like shift in the narrative of like him being sympathetic like i I think the movie set it up that it just couldn't work i i knew the timeline didn't match up and i still had to like second guess whether or not that was the kid from jerry Maguire. (laughs) oh yeah and same with john dacino's character or and i sent you guys that about how much he looks like christopher lowell um, the guy from Glow, yeah. like the side by side, like my wife and I were watching. Oh, yeah. She's like, "Is it the same actor?" I'm like, "No, it can't be the same actor. They're just like decades <laughs> apart for the two shows, but they looked like identical yeah. to me throughout the whole thing." A lot of the the teen characters had like kind of that guy faces, or you know, like yeah. which is like you look familiar, but I don't know why. And like a lot of their IMDs, IMDb's, like I'm like I don't see you in anything really else I recognize. You just look familiar, kind of. You don't recognize yeah. George Buck Flower. I, what should I recognize him from? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just looking at the IMDb. <laughs> that was very convincing. Yeah, I was really like, uh, should I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he he was just like the grouchy dude that like uh, the the patriarch of the hill people. Which I'm only calling him that because I don't know what else to call them. Oh no, who? Did, but did you guys recognize a young uh, what's her name in um, Mayim Bialik what? in her first on screen role? Is she in this? She's one of the kids of the Hill person. No kidding. Lil Blossom herself. I don't think she speaks, but it's like it was her first like movie role. Wow. Yeah. So that's a fun fact. I did not register that. Yeah, future oh Jeopardy my God. host. Okay, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the IMDB and I just need to say this before we move on. <laughs> There's an actor whose name, or at least their stage name, is Dick Warlock. You're welcome. Ooh. Oh, I've seen his name before because it's like such a like a crazy famous name for that reason. But uh, that's why like, I've never seen what he's been in. I've just seen his name on a meme before where it's just like that's really like because it's such a ridiculous name. I didn't know what he was ever in. You know how famous and rich he would be if he was like just like in our time, like he was born in the wrong era. Like Dick, Dick Warlock would be a household name in 2020. Dick, War- oh, Dick Warlock was a Kurt Russell stunt double in a few things. No kidding. Yeah. Fun fact. Good for Dick Warlock. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I think, so we touched on a lot of the, like, the, uh, most of the actors, but I feel like we really got to kind of give it up for Lance Henriksen, the Ed Harley character. Like, yeah. he's sort of the, I mean, he's got to the, he's like the soul of the movie, I would say, like, in yeah. kind of a literal sense in a way. But, like, he he's he's sort of the focus. And he, he like, brings, uh, like, a cool presence to that role, I think, because he's, uh, he's like a, a, like, a genre staple or, like, a B-movie staple. Like, he's in all, like... A, tons of these kinds of like horror movies he's in aliens as the android bishop um he's kind of just a recognizable face for for genre fans but i thought he was a he was a really good presence in this movie i think like some kind of an anchor to it like an experience like 
more uh, more veteran actor to put in something like this. I don't know. I I really enjoyed his performance and like the like he sold that sort of like unchecked like grief and loss that kind of led to the the creation of Pumpkinhead and like that instant regret he felt when he started like actually physically feeling the kills that Pumpkinhead were doing. So like I know I think he I think he made this he elevated the movie in my opinion. I was just going to say too the father and son relationship. I I thought like in the first little bit there was something I haven't really seen in 80s movies because like 80s movies, I feel like were a lot more, well, not even just 80s movies, movies prior to like our time now were like a lot more macho in a sense. And I'm not saying he wasn't macho as a father, but it was just so like his relationship with his son was just so sweet and like beautiful that when he was taken away, it was like, it was really gut-wrenching to watch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, honestly, I don't blame him either. Like, if I if something like that had happened to me, and I'm I'm speaking as the only non father here, so you guys chime in if like you <laughs> would do something differently. But like, if that happened to me, like, and I had access to a witch that does specifically like make like ven- vengeance demons, I I would probably cash that in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I. I- I kind of get it too. Like, I'm like, I, like he's the most sympathetic character, really. I mean, like, I guess like the teens, some of the teens are like unsuspecting in that sense. Like they didn't, they didn't like some of them tried to help the kid, but at the same time, like he did nothing. Like Lance Hendrickson, like just had a nice life that was just like ripped from him. And like, yeah, he has access to a witch in a sense. I mean, he looked for her, but I mean, like, well, I guess what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. But like he looked for her in the sense that it's like within a 20 mile radius, like that's yeah, like, still, that's still pretty convenient. And I love the implication in this like universe that there's just like swamp witches that live in the South, like in Appalachia somewhere. Like that's just a thing. I mean, I believe it. I believe it for our world. I right. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I dig it. And the makeup on Haggis, the swamp, witch was great. Oh, oh yeah. Haggis. What a queen. Yeah. Haggis was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was a really strong argument for how practical effects just last the test of time because everything looked so cool in this. Oh my god, this movie is uh, full of them too. I also like before we get dig into the effects because we'll we'll go strong into the effects in a little bit here. But I wanted to just point out that I thought the the use of lighting was really cool, and I, I kind of wanted to you know punt it over to you, Khalid, because I know that you're the you're kind of the lighting guy. I feel like I was like, oh, lighting is cool. Tell me more about it, Khalid. But like, did you notice anything about that? Uh, yeah, as the uh, resident lighting guy, I did notice. <laughs> I, I I can confirm that lights were used in this production. Um, (laughs) no, yeah, I think for me, when I really noticed it was, uh, especially like that, like, uh, the story from the past when we don't know exactly what's going on at first and some pumpkin head is going after some dude and he's knocking on the door. Uh, that's when it really struck me with the, uh, the, the use of color, uh, as uh, when they were silhouetting him in the, as he's walking through the woods to the house. And, uh, I think like at one point it's like purple and then it's like orange and it was just such a like very like stark deliberate choices that caught my eye. And, uh, it added to this like feeling of like, this is a supernatural goings on before, you know, that for sure. And then they, they kind of carried that on, especially through use of color when, um, whenever the dad, uh, what's his name again? um ed harley yeah ed harley when ed harley is like psychically like linked to the pumpkin head and he sees what he sees like the color changes again so that was like another really cool use of like light there that i was a i was a fan of and yeah i mean nighttime swamp stuff like that's just great spooky um material to work with mm-hmm. yeah and, a, and not even like a nighttime nighttime swamp stuff but like a nighttime swampy pumpkin patch too yeah yeah it's it's great no, I, I noted that quite a bit. I think the aesthetics in general are really cool. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned this in your synopsis, Khalid, but uh, this was Stan Winston's first like directorial, I think, debut, it seemed like, because he's was he's Stan the man. He's like the the creature feature design legend. Um, but like it's kind of evident from like his directing choices. I think that he really knows how to frame a monster. I feel like like every time we saw Pumpkinhead on screen, I think feel like there was a lot of weight to it um and like again that part of the lighting and part of the way he framed it like i really loved specifically that church sequence where we see the pumpkin head walk into that old abandoned church and just start destroying stuff and that's kind of the first like true big glimpse we have it but otherwise he kind of like you only see bits of it and and it kind of builds to that that moment where we finally see him um and so i just i just felt like probably with his experience as a creature designer like he probably just knew like the best way to shoot the creature and like how that would, how it would make the most impact. So I, I really enjoyed that too. 
Yeah, me too. And I, I really wish there was more and please, I'm sure I'm, I'm probably wrong with this. I really, with what you're saying there, I really wish there was more like creature design people that were directing. Cause it, it really did um, amplify for me too. as like just a fan of monster movies. Cause I was really just cheering for Pumpkinhead, but I was like, it was weird to be scared of. Cause I was really cheering for every single time I wanted to see him on screen. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I get that. I was like, ex- yeah, excited when you get to see him. Right. I mean, I know he's for like the villain, the antagonist, but it's fun to see him on screen. Well, yeah. it's not exactly it's not exactly the same, but um, Andy Serkis, uh, who's like the motion cap like guy, uh, mm. is, is directing now, and he did uh, the the new Venom, and That's I feel right. like there's there's a little bit of a Stan Winston esque like understanding of how to to film a, a creature that isn't necessarily like real or there uh, that that he's got insight on in the same way that Stan Winston would have. That's awesome. Similar, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to see Venom two yet, but I'm I'm really excited about it. It's it's fun. I recommend it for both you guys. Uh, it's real breezy. They uh, they lean into the strengths of the first movie, and yeah, you you'll have a good time. Cool, 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 cool. I listened to a podcast uh, I, episode about the writer of um, the new Venom and how she worked with Tom Hardy and her experience. With, she's been friends with him for like twenty years, and just her experience of how he, how her and him. Um, how like she would just like, okay, well, this is what I want to be done in the scene. And she'd send him over the script and he'd be in England. She'd be in LA and he would just read over the lines on over Skype and do both the role of Venom and um, uh, Eddie Brock's character for, so she'd be like, Oh, this doesn't work or this works. And I thought that was a really cool uh, breakdown of how like the making of that movie came together. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It seems like he definitely ha- seemed pretty invested in the role. Like for I like I know the first one got pretty mixed reviews, but he seemed to really be <laughs> having a good time with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, so, nice segue uh, away from Pumpkinhead into Venom for, for a bit, but let's I guess we come back to the Pumpkinhead, huh? Yeah, let's reel it back. No, <laughs> <laughs> Re- back a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's uh, that's okay. That's what podcasts are for, right? Uh, long tirades into random stuff. Oh yeah, I love me a good tirade. Me too. I don't know if tirade's the right word. I just kind of was fishing for something there and that came up. Yeah, I think you meant tangent, maybe. I think I meant tangent, yeah. <laughs> 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 tangent. <laughs> Let me get off my soapbox about about Venom too. I'm so, I'm so angry. <laughs> I could go on and on. <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay. Tangent. Yes, that's the word. <laughs> tangent. Yes, I'll remember that for next time. Sure. We have other tangents. <laughs> so, pumpkins. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, go back to pumpkins. Back to pumpkins. Back to pumpkins. Um, yeah, uh, I do. Uh, I, I feel like I kind of touched on the Hill people, but uh, they yeah. were also a really good part of this. Uh, I like it because you've got Ed Harley, who just he just seems country. And then you've got the actual like Appalachian like weirdos that like, I don't know, like the kids are like wearing like burlap sacks when you see them at first. Like it is like not a. It, they don't look well well off in any way they 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 feel like just they're supposed to be dirt poor like hill folk and it makes sense when you realize like they their family like is associated with like a witch in the swamp but um i thought it was cool to just show like the degrees of people that uh the the kids are going to be interacting with oh absolutely i think that um when we kind of mentioned early on, it felt like a, like a very tropey setup where it's like, you know, like, you know, kids from like the city or from just like civilization meeting kind of weird people who live out in the country, weird, poor people in the country. But it, it, it it does flip it a little bit where I feel like we, we, uh, we get to know those people way more like Ed Harley, like I said, is the central focus, but also like that family, like we kind of get to know them. And one of the kids even ends up helping, uh, the teen characters. And so like they, the movie does a lot to not just make them kind of faceless weirdos, you know, like they, they are kind of weird, but they're like, they, they, there's a humanity that's brought to them. I'd say. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the eighties movies too, um, when they show um, like hillbillies, we'll just say in the, in this context yeah. um, and they're always evil. And in this, in this, they weren't shown as that too. And that was a really 
like interesting flip of the trope that I feel like they just we've really rare in the horror genre too because every other time I've seen um, hillbillies whatsoever in horror movies they've always been like flat out just the bad guys that's always just the twist well not the twist but always the premise is anytime that's yeah like evil hillbillies in the woods or like the like the wrong turns or they're cannibals or something yeah 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 yeah, so in a sense, it's kind of refreshing. Even the even the swamp rich, which like I don't think I think it's implied that she's like a, has a great power, but I don't even necessarily think that she's meant to be like evil per se. Because she's even like, are you sure you want this, Ed Harley? Like I'm gonna do it, but are you sure you want it? Yeah, I don't know if she's evil. I mean, I mean, I think she's like you have to give up your soul or something, don't you? Well, she's totally rooted in like dark magic, but like I don't think she like she's not an antagonist either. Like she just kind of does her thing and hangs out on the in the hill. Like unless people seek her out, she's not like taking over the world or anything or killing people. She's got a very no, she, she's making a monster that kills people. Well, only if it's requested, though. Oh, is that okay? So she's not evil then, because she has to wait for someone to politely <laughs> ask her to make a monster. I mean, she is just above morals of the of our world. Yeah. She's at a different plane of it. I'm out of my I'm out of my league. I'm out of my depth. I hear you. Exactly. So she's she's her own ambivalent force. Yeah, All wouldn't right. you guys like <laughs> wouldn't you guys agree like, she has kind of like a monkey pile element to her in a sense of like, oh, you made this wish? Well, this is what happens when you make that wish. That's how I felt like her power was. It's like yeah, good call. And then it just whatever you wish for, it just becomes like the most evil version. And she just laughs at you during it. I guess, oh, it's a, but it's not absolutely. like he was like expecting like an angel to come down and like kill those kids. He he knew what it was coming. It was going to be a pumpkin yeah. head monster. He, he, so, he knew that. But I think the, the monkey paw element is like he have to you have to physically experience like uh, the pain, you know, that part of it. Like because yeah. he has to like he physically like every kill, like he's there, yeah. like seeing it through pumpkin heads eyes and also like the souls are slowly merging as we find out like the pumpkin head likes becomes more Lance Hendrickson looking as over time. And he becomes a little bit more creaturey and a little bit more ra- you know, rabbit as time goes on. So like, yeah, like it, it leads to his own downfall. Like, so the, what is it like the morality play is basically that there's sort of like unchecked vengeance is will be your own downfall or something. I for an eye for an eye makes the whole world pumpkin heads. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I say it all the time. Um, yeah. yeah, no, okay, I, I, I retract, I retract. That's definitely a monkey's paw in that in that sense with the with his having to experience each murder, for sure. So, speaking of the the rural element, did did you guys know that Lance Hendrickson actually had his own set of dentures made to kind of give him a more quote rural look, and he also also gathered and bought all of his own props and wardrobe, including the shotgun and the silver dollars. Wow. So he did all no. that on his own. Yeah. So what was like the what was he gonna be doing if he didn't bring all that crap? Like, was he just... <laughs> I don't know. I think he. I think they probably would have provided something, but I think he's like, I see. I have a vision for this character, so I just want to do it myself. Well, I mean, he's in like is the, my thought. He's in like a whole, the whole series of Pumpkinhead movies, so I guess he he did the right thing. Like he he made himself <laughs> a standout. He's not in two. He's not in two. Uh, okay, I saw in his no, IMDb that he's like in like three and four. So I I did. I don't know if. Joel, if you've, I guess you haven't seen this one before, but if I don't know if you'd, you hadn't heard or, or seen the other ones, but uh, I, I have not, there. I have not seen the sequels, um, but I, I saw that the first one is a direct to video and almost a kind of reimagining of some of the same concepts as the first, uh, like a bit, a little, little bit, almost like a side quote where it's like reframing some of the mythology, and it wasn't very popular. But the two sequels after that are like sci-fi original movies, so they're really low budget and they don't rely as much on practical effects, which I think a lot of Pumpkinhead fans saw as a big faux pas. Um, they did bring back Lance Henriksen and they actually got Doug Bradley, who's Pinhead from the Hellraiser movies in that. So it's like, you'd think it'd be like a cool, like put it coming together of two, like big, you know, genre actors there, but they were, I know Lance Henriksen has said that he regrets how those movies turned out. Oof. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they're worth it. I mean, if you're a super pumpkin head fan, maybe, but, uh, I think they're not, I, from what I haven't seen them heard, they're not very good. I like, heard the same like, thing. What's that? Like, are, there, are there like passive pumpkin head fans? I feel like you're either all in or not. It's a good question. I don't know. I, I guess we could have our uh, denizens of fans uh, tweet at you about that. All right. Well, I'm a super pumpkin head fan. I wasn't saying that disparagingly. Like I'm good, all, good. I'm all in now. Good save. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing that I thought was cool before we get into like effects and stuff was the, uh, I thought the score was really cool. I think it's Richard Stone was the, the, did the music for it, but like the slow harmonica, like kind of fit the vibe of it pretty well. Yeah. I, I'll be, yeah. I don't know if it stood out for the music. I don't know if the music stood out for me that much, but I mean, it wasn't bad by any means. Oh yeah. I know. I thought it was really cool. I mean, it's not like, it may not be like one that I download and like listen to on walks or something, but I thought it was really cool for like the atmosphere that they're trying to set up. Mm. Yeah. But uh, anyway, should we monster? Let's monster. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Let's, let's do it. I'll talk a little bit uh, to start of like in universe about Pumpkinhead the monster. And then we could get dig into like the actual like effects of it. So like um, there's actually a really good like bloody disgusting article uh, about Pumpkinhead, but bloody, bloody disgusting is like a, like a good horror coverage site, but they like just have a really good breakdown of this movie. Um, but like, so I got a lot of information from there. I'll, I'll link it in the notes if you want to check it out. But basically Pumpkinhead is like summoned by a swamp, wit, writ, swamp witch uh, created from like a shriveled human corpse, a pumpkin and a powerful thirst for vengeance. So basically if someone were to call upon Pumpkinhead, they would be damned for all eternity and become one with the demon uh, as the summoners kind of begin to take on the Pumpkinhead characteristics as Pumpkinhead kills. The summoner then kind of feels the pain related to the killings as that the uh, that the victims feel, and will begin to see the killings through the pumpkin head's point of view. And after the summoner dies, so in this case Ed Harley, their soul will be stuck in limbo, and uh, their corpse corpse will be used as the next vessel for Pumpkinhead, which is kind of how they brought back Lance Henriksen in the sequels, where he's supposedly like the vessel for the next Pumpkinheads in a sense. Um, but as like the as for the appearance, like we see Pumpkinhead is like this lumpy head, thick legs, long arms, two bulbs, bulbous objects sprouting from his shoulders. He has like these unseeing white eyes that kind of like reptilian pupils in a sense, and, and like a tail, like a like a fork tail, like a devilly fork tail, and long long claws for for killing. He's also like really spry and nimble. Surprisingly, like we see him crouching and jumping up trees, which is pretty cool. Like I think that. If that was if they, that movie was this movie was done now, like they would meld the practical and CGI a little bit, and we'd see like the jumping, but it's more implied in the movie. But like, yeah, it, it is kind of cool. Like he's supposed to be fast and not just like a lumbering beast, even though that's kind of what we often see when he's on screen. Um, but what did you guys think? Uh, I mean, despite the fact that he doesn't actually look like a pumpkin, uh, what did you guys think of the design of the monster? Joel, why don't you start? Design-wise, all I could think of, uh, I think you mentioned earlier, they look like the Xenomorph. I thought a lot of that, too. Specifically, it looked like the Xenomorph in, I think it's Alien 3. I think it's one where Ripley comes back. Um, I think that's the one where it's, and with the one with Winona Ryder. I think that's the one where I'm thinking of. That's a four, my mistake. Looks like the one from Aliens 4. The one that's kind of like half human, half um, Ripley, sort of. Or sorry, half Ripley, half uh, Xenomorph. That's yeah, what it kind of at the end, like. yeah, yeah. That's what it, Pumpkinhead looked like to me, and I and I had that stuck in my head. Overall, I like the design because I was thinking that this was before that. Um, so I, I like the design of the monster, but that really was the element I, I saw from it. And like I said earlier, practical effects uh, last test time. I thought the best design in the movie was Haggis the Witch, but outside of that, I thought Pumpkinhead looked looked really really cool. Yeah, agreed. What do you th- what about you, Khalid? Uh, yeah, definitely Xenomorph, uh, came to mind. I mean, having never seen any of the alien movies, but also seen, uh, just like enough pop culture references to the Xenomorph. That's what came to mind for me. Um, yeah, look, I think the effects were really good and I I brought it up at the top of the show, but, uh, especially when you consider like the time period, uh, and Stan Winston's involvement, it makes sense why it's like such impressive effects uh, I, I did not pick up on the creature. It was supposed to be fast. Uh, <laughs> it definitely was giving me Michael Myers vibes of just like, it's going to take its t- sweet time and it's going to get to you. Um, but yeah, it's especially scarier if it's fast. So that makes sense mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely scary if it's fast. Yeah. We don't really see that that much. Um, as for like the actual effects that we're talking about. Um, so S- Stan Winston, the director, he was, busy like making the story and he gave the free reigns design to like his artists so like obviously his studio worked on the vfx but like his artists like i think it was uh, i have a couple names here was alec gillis shane shane mann uh john rosengrant and tom woodruff jr uh were kind of the leads who got to design the suit 
and Tom Woodruff Jr. is one of the designers. He actually wore the suit himself too. But uh, Stan Winston's experience with creature work uh, enabled them enabled them to only like they only uh, I don't think they used much of their budget on the vfx even though they turned out to be so good they were able to cut corners and like make it work for like just kind of scrappy in a sense um but uh but stan winston kind of told his team to be like i'm the client guys like you don't have to come to me and approve anything like you know like you do the work and like i'm 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 gonna be happy with what you come up with kind of thing so like he uh he kind of just stepped back and gave free reign to his people which is kind of cool to see um but anyway as for uh the actual suit itself, the guy Wood, uh, Woodruff Jr. was actually glued into the suit at the beginning of each shooting day, and he'd actually be trapped in the suit for eight hours for filming. But uh, he also had to kind of contend with like the unique leg extensions that kind of give it that animalistic quality. And so that kind of was like a like an on and off thing. Sometimes they just shoot from the waist up. <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing, though, uh, for me that I thought was uh, one of the most striking things was the facial features um which when they zoomed in the face like you could actually see like the face of like Pumpkinhead's face and like mouth and nose and eyes moving which i found out uh was actually achieved through rotating servos which is basically just a like a common motor driven system with like a feedback element uh and so like it drove cables for lips jaw and brow articulation sort of just kind of like continually moving that up and down so it would kind of just make these like facial movements and ticks and they would just kind of film it at the right moment so i thought that was really cool there was a i have so i have like the shout factory blu-ray for this and that was like a there was like a cool featurette on the on the visual effects on that so i'd recommend anyone who's a fan to get that that release and just check out some of those uh those featurettes on like the the making of this, this is a really cool one for creature effects fans I know the critic. I know this wasn't um, really loved by the critics. But was it nominated for anything? For Jesus, because that sounds like really ahead of its time. Just everything to do with the face. That's a good question. I don't know because yeah, like a lot of these like genre films that aren't loved by critics will still get like nominations for for something. But I, I don't. I don't know. Let me look. Let's look. At, let's good look at the old IMDb. Uh, three nominations for. Let's see. Saturn Award. It was nominated for Best Horror, Best Actor, and Best Director, but did not win. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, no effects, though. That's crazy. That's insane to me. Yeah. A travesty, I say. Yeah. Uh, the more I think about it, the more this creature's uh, design reminds me of uh, Doug Jones's character in Discovery, too. Saru? The way he walks, especially. Yeah, the walking yeah. and just like the, the frame of the body, if not the head. Yeah. Yeah. If this was made a little bit later, like a Doug Jones could have easily killed the role too. Also, Doug Jones could just do a Pumpkinhead remake. I feel like this one is like ripe for for revisiting if if done at the right hands. If exactly if done at the right hands and then ask Doug Jones actually Guillermo del Toro and a Doug Jones collaboration, that would be great. Yeah. I mean they work together all the time. They they'd be perfect for this. Yeah. I think what would be yeah. good too is a spiritual sequel. Like just do the old what they're doing with Candyman, what they did with um the new Halloween, they should just do this one as like, just get rid of the other sequels and just have this one be the second one and have Doug Jones. Yeah. Just ignore. Yeah. Ignore th- two, three and four. And just like, yeah. Oh, that's Pumpkinhead needs that. Yeah. Joel. Oh, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, write it. Write it. Yeah. Yes. You're the writer here. Do I would it. love that. Yes. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> I have a Pumpkinhead job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of us own the rights to Pumpkinhead, but it's happening. Trust it's us. It's happening. Yes. <laughs> Whoever owns it could come forward and help us out with this. So if you're yeah, listening, yeah, we know you're listening. Don't Owners of Pumpkinhead podcast, and we know you're listening for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I did make a note too at the at the bottom of my notes here, just to say like the Pumpkinhead monster is definitely like the focus here, but like to shout, give a shout out to the prosthetics and makeup for Haggis, which you guys already pointed out. But the actress uh, and a very witchy performance from the actress. Her name is Florence uh, Schaeffler. It sounded like it was, but uh, but she was great too. Mm-hmm. She was really good. Yeah. yeah. So shout out there. I think that uh, another thing to point out, this is nothing to do with uh, like the monster effects per se, is that the pumpkin head poem, do you guys remember the poem that they said in the movie? No. It's like, uh, what is it? It goes, it starts, I got it written down. Keep away from pumpkin head unless you're tired of living. His enemies are mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving, blah, 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 blah. A bunch of more stuff too. (laughs) 
like there's a bunch of lines but like they the kids say it in the beginning scene like the the kind of like hill folk kids are like taunting the one younger brother and then the the girl yells at them remember that oh i do remember that yeah actually it's funny yeah, that's I, a real poem oh is it no go yeah, ahead I, Julia. It's a it's real a, poem. I mean it's a real poem as it was a poem before the movie what like there's a pumpkin head lore before the movie too yeah yeah I, did you like that dramatic pause guys thanks yeah, um, it, yeah, that was a poem <laughs> written by a guy named <laughs> your <laughs> delayed gratification clearly there. Um, there was a poem written by uh, Ed Justin is the guy and he was he has a writing credit on the movie, but it's just because he wrote the poem. Uh, he uh, he wrote this long poem and I don't think it had anything to do with a monster. It's just this weird like, I don't know, like vengeance, vengeful spirit kind of poem that he wrote several years and i think the i think the movie people people who wrote the movie were friends with this dude so i think that could have been like like it inspired the movie hard and he and he probably like knew that i'm sure he was aware that his poem was being made into a movie is what i'm saying that's pretty that's funny yeah yeah because like between this and the green knight that's uh two movies we've done based on poems yeah you could do a double feature of our episodes here huh yeah double it up (laughs) What were you going to say, Joel, before I interrupted you with poem stuff? Um, what I was going to say is that, that um, in, in um, connection to the poem was when the kids were bothering like their little brother, I guess, was with the poem and how emotional yeah. that uh, the, the friend, the teen got at at them for that. My wife laughed out loud at that part. She's like, I don't know why she got so mad. Like she got a little too mad at those <laughs> kids. It's like, I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> It's like, well, they were bullying. And like, I get, it. I would have been like, hey, cut it out. You're kind of scaring this kid. She's like, she got really, really into that for some reason. I'm like, I mean, yeah. It's like she was horrified herself of the poem. Yeah. And she's like, that's <laughs> really weird that she got that mad about that. I'm like, yeah, that was kind of weird. I, now that you're saying that, maybe you feel a little, she got a little too heated with that situation. I'm on your wife. I'm on your wife's side. If I ever see kids reciting poetry to another kid against his will, I will be. I will lose it. I will go ape on those kids. Do you see that often, Khalil? <laughs> uh no, I don't. But I, I can just like I can tell like just even the thought of it is like making me so mad. Just how dare you just rhyme in couplets to this poor child, this defenseless <laughs> kid? Yeah, no, I no, I get it, Khalid. I get it. Um, but anyway, speaking of poetry and couplets, Khalid. Yep. Uh Bears have been known to be great poets in the past. Nope, that's not a thing anyone has ever said before right now. Four bears test. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Well, I, I hope you guys at home had, uh, enjoyed that segue. It'll be the last time you have to hear that for I a really minute. did. <laughs> Joel? <laughs> Joel liked it. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, Four Bears Test is when I ask the silly question, what would happen if you replace the monster that we're discussing with four bears? Does it change the story at all uh, or not? And if you listened last time, you know that this this game really ticks uh, Jimmy off. So <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you, Jim. I, I'm going to keep doing it my way because it's more fun for me. Uh, so yeah, this week we're talking about Pumpkinhead, and I think that on a strength level, if you're asking if four bears could do as much damage as Pumpkinhead, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward yes. Um, you only ever really see Pumpkinhead going after one person at a time, so it's like really hard to like quantify how strong he is. You just know he's stronger than a person. But that being said, he's also really hard to take down. Like they try to light him on fire. They try to shoot him. The only thing that really stops him is that he's like psychically connected to uh, Ed Harley. And that is what takes him down. So like as far as like himself and his durability, I'd say it's comparable to a bear or four bears worth. Um, And then, yeah, like Joe mentioned in the podcast, he's, he's a fast guy. Bears are very fast. So I think in that regard, yes, it's a it's a it's a pretty straightforward pass. Um, yeah, what about you guys? What do you think? I thought so, and I thought about that when I was watching the movie. I was like, if you just removed Ed Harley and let's just put it in the context of someone kills a bear's cub, and then four bears from that like bear, I don't what know what a group of bears is called now that I'm thinking about four bears from that bear pack. We'll just say come and attack the teens. I think it kind of works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a. Uh, a group of bears is called a Ditka. 
wow. It's a Ditka of bears. Um, that's something I learned today. <laughs> I would like, you threw me through a loop, Khalid, because I actually just looked it up and I was reading it and I was like, that is not the word that I'm seeing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually called a sleuth or a sloth of bears. Mm, well, you know, we, you heard yeah. it your way. I've heard it mine. Uh, it, yeah, but we could go with Ditka. I mean, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll <laughs> keep that. We'll keep that for the future of the four bears test. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also like, yeah, it could be like uh, going after a bear's cub or theoretically, like it could be more or less the same story, except that like his kid gets killed and he knows there's an old lady that trains bears in the woods mm. and he, she'll like, she'll like sick the bears on people for you if you give her a good enough sob story. So yeah, either way, uh, I think those kids would be just as screwed if it was four bears as if it was uh, Pumpkinhead. Yeah, I like it. Um, I want to just dial back and and say, uh, speaking of Ditka, Khalid, oh, would you fight or flirt with Pumpkinhead? How? How is that speaking of Ditka? <laughs> you didn't. You went. You went out of your way to bring that back. Like that's the. Okay. Seemed like a good window. Did it? Does it still seem that way now after after the fact? I'm confident it is a good window still. All right, moving on. Uh fight or flirt, it's exactly what it sounds like. Would I fight the monster or flirt with it? Um with this one? Yes, but I need to know that it's psychically connected to somebody because I'm not like then I can just like go kill that person. But also like is the monster coming after me because I aided and abetted in the murder of a kid? Cause like at that point I just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel pretty bad already and probably just let the monster do, do what it needs to do to me. Um, but assuming that I'm just like an innocent bystander, that's going to like face Pumpkinhead's wrath. And yeah, I'm going to kill the summoner. Um, and if I don't know that the summoner is uh, the, the, the key to it to like killing Pumpkinhead, then I guess I would flirt with Pumpkinhead because it's invincible. Uh, so yeah, like if I don't know, flirt, if I do know, fight, how's that? Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, you flirt, the witch flirt. Too. Oh, if, yeah, if, you should flirt with the witch. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I don't even like that. I, I, I would flirt with the witch just on principle alone. You know, like she's a homeowner, you know, she's got, she's got all that land. Uh, she's clearly well read and she's got, she's got a lot of experience, you know, like there's something Bear to be said about having it. Yeah, like, yeah, and there's something to be said about, like, having an older partner. Like, they will teach you things that, like, somebody your own age just wouldn't know. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely flirt with the witch, apropos of nothing. You flirt with her without even knowing she was a witch, probably. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it would just come up on date three, and I'd be like, well, you don't say. (laughs) How old old do you think she is? Uh, I'm going to say, like, 46. (laughs) 46 i mean, wasn't like she arrived at like the 50 some years prior to the movie uh she's a time traveling witch all right it's yeah okay yeah that works what about you what are you what are your what's your guess oh man i mean like a like realistically <laughs> i don't know like i was thinking that maybe she's from the 1700s or something yeah that makes yeah. sense like like early colonial state colonialism days probably yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I kind of like. Where did the witches like come from? Long. Like, yeah, like witches came from Europe or something. I don't know. Is that right? I don't know. Uh, I think it's implied that witches are bit just like some form or another been around. It's just like that was just like a name that sexist came up with for like women they didn't get. <laughs> true. Yeah, actually, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's a great, great point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, she was like kind of seemed like she was like around since the beginning of the swamp like it just that's what i like gathered from her she's like oh she's kind of just been there with nature and knows all these spells but i that's something i just made up in my own head so i have no idea if there's maybe she's the swamp about. manifested Ooh, i like that Ooh. or personified yeah she's yeah swamp witch oh she's like yeah she is a swamp witch <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i have one more quick thing to say about pumpkin head by the way um yeah, I thought that the kills in this movie were so original and like really strangely like brutal and like very hateful, which was really on par with like how like, the vengeance side of it. But I just really thought that like the stabbing with the shotgun and stuff like that. I thought the kills were yes. just, like, really crazy and original. When he's like impaled with the shotgun and like lifted into the sky, I was like, "That yeah. is 
what a horrible way to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh you know, you know, part, you know parts of him made it into the barrel just based on the way that the shotgun went through him. Oh, for sure. Oh. <laughs> that was But cool. Super cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, no, I with you. They 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 were they were pretty brutal but well done. Yeah. Again, great practical effects. Honestly, Pumpkinhead should have been on a basketball team with that height and strength and speed. It was, it was a real waste just like running around the, the swamp. <laughs> you should make a basketball team, Khalid, of monsters that we've talked about. Ooh, maybe I will. Just like a fantasy league or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it could be a bonus episode we released during our hiatus. All right. Pumpkinhead's either the point guard or the center, depending on how, how many other tall creatures I get. Yeah, got to take t- take some time to think on it. Yeah, yeah, I won't rush it. I won't rush it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that was a fun that was a fun one to fun movie to talk about for our uh, our last one for a little while. I think it was a, I think it was a good one to to end on. And hopefully, I know it's not an explicitly Halloween themed movie, but like it sounds Halloween ish. So I, I think it's a good one to release uh, at the end of October here. Yeah, pretty yeah. Halloweeny. Yeah. Um, but before we uh, before we wrap it up, let's uh, let's uh, let's move over to our. Um, our final segment of the show, our <clears throat> what the fandom segment. <laughs> this is a thanks, Khalid. This is a segment in which we all go around and share something that we're uh, we're interested in watching, reading, listening to, what have you, uh, at the moment, or maybe just a bit of self promotion if that's what we want to do as well. Uh, something that we think you listeners might dig may or may not have anything to do with monsters or Pumpkinhead. But uh, anyway, Joel, uh, since you're the guest, I'll let you go last this time. But Khalid, why don't you start us off? Cool. So uh, I have a a recommendation and a little sub recommendation again. Um, The recommendation is going to be for the documentary uh, of Mike's and men. Uh, It's about the Wu-Tang clan. Uh, I believe like maybe like last year I had recommended the TV show on Hulu Wu-Tang American saga and season two came back and it's also really good. So if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. But it made me like so hype about Wu Tang that I was like, okay, the, the casting is amazing in this, but like I want to see like the real guys and their stories. So I checked out this documentary that's being shown through Showtime, and I've only seen the first part of four so far, but it is super interesting, uh, even more interesting than the show, just because like you're seeing like the actual guys like talk about like the things that they went through that the show doesn't even get to touch on like the racism that they dealt with going to like a majority white school in Staten Island and like the, the vitriol they faced at like age, like nine. So uh, just if you, if you've even just in passing been a fan of Wu-Tang or like appreciated any of its members, uh, solo careers, I think it's really cool to just see this like origin story and it's well done. The devices that they use in the documentary, it's a, it's a really cool story. Um, and then my sub, uh, recommendation is, uh, the movie 21 Bridges. Uh, it stars the late Chadwick Boseman. And, uh, I just, I threw it on randomly. I've been doing this thing ever since he passed where I hadn't watched like many of this Chadwick Boseman's movies. And I was like, okay, well, this is all I'm ever going to get of his now. So I want to like treat myself and like every once in a while I'll throw on a new Chadwick Boseman movie I haven't seen. And this was the one I picked and man, this, this movie is, uh, is really good. It's produced by the Russo brothers and, uh, it's the first half of it is this like, really cool action movie with uh like these like cops versus robbers kind of a manhunt and then it just kind of seamlessly shifts into a noir and chadwick boseman is just perfect for all of it he just really uh he he brings that leading man charisma that like made him such a household name and yeah if you if you are like me and like really loved what chadwick brought to the table but haven't seen all of his work check out 21 bridges Cool. I, I'd heard about that movie when it came out, and I thought it looked interesting. I never got around to watching it, so I'll definitely check that one out, Khalid. Oh, it's great. You guys, you'll love it. Yeah, you guys will yeah. love it. Um, I suppose I'll go next. Uh, I wanted to um, – I just finished a, a novel that I wanted to shout out on this. Uh, I, think the, I actually think podcast listeners would really enjoy it. It's called The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher. Um, and T. Kingfisher is actually uh, a pseudonym for Ursula Vernon, who writes she writes some like ki- like kids books actually, and other does illustrations. But the book, it's a horror novel, 
but it's um it's got a really cool and unique um voice it's about a a woman and her dog who go off to go to clean her grandmother's a house after the grandmother passes away and she's like a hoarder but she discovers the the journal of her step grandfather and it just gets increasingly more weird and unnerving and creepy and she starts to realize that just everything surrounding the woods surrounding this home is like creepy and unnerving and there might be like other worldly kind of beings and monsters in the woods that have something to do with like I don't know, kind of cosmic, almost horror entities. So there's like a melding of a cosmic horror and folk horror element that are that are really well done. And the book itself is actually an update on the like a 1904 short story from Arthur Machen, who is a kind of a pioneer in the genre, like back during like almost like H.P. Lovecraft era, um, kind of called the White People. And so it's like a it's like a sort of an update slash sequel to that short story, which is kind of a cool cool way it like builds on like these old stories from kind of these old white men and like she uh like takes this in kind of a new like uh a new narrative and a new in a new way that uh made the story really cool i think i think and so i think horror fans i think monster fans uh, or even if just a fan of a good book it was super breezy the audiobook uh narrator was really good and i actually bought the physical copy because i wanted to read it at night before i went to bed too because i was like switching between audio and like physical book it's just it's five-star book for me i really enjoyed it um and the other my second shout out i wanted to give out to is something that i don't think really needs a shout out but i just saw it and really enjoyed it i just saw dune part one we're probably getting a part two i hope because uh anyway i just read the dune novel this year from frank herbert and the adaptation was dope and i really enjoyed it and so people should go see it so we make sure we get part two cool denny villeneuve yeah how about you joel uh, yeah, I think I kind of have two, two. Um, first, you I wanted have, to, yeah. uh, first I've got, um, it's a French film called Titan. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I hopefully am. Um, if you follow me on anything, I have not shut up about this movie. It, I saw it in theaters a couple weeks ago. It is absolutely bonkers. It's from a uh, French director, Julia de Corneau. It's her second film. And I am going to go on record and say, I think she is a, strongest first two horror films in a debut uh, over everybody right now because that this movie was absolutely insane it is about a woman that has sex with a car and that is underselling what this movie is about because it's so bonkers (laughs) it's a body horror there's part comedies it's it's absolutely twisted it's look away from crazy and it was the last thing i saw in theaters with my wife who and i told you guys before the show is is pregnant as well. And Yay. yeah, it was, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and she's due <laughs> in November too, like um, just like your wife, Joe. Um, yeah. As, as I told you guys earlier. And yeah, it was, it was the last thing we saw in theaters and it was really, I think she's, my, my wife's a badass for sitting through this because it was a tough, tough watch. And uh, yeah, it was a great movie that I highly recommend it. My um, other movie, because I've been watching obviously a lot of horror movies and shows right now. Actually, I'm just going to do a show. The other thing I watched that I mentioned to you earlier, Kali, uh, was the I Know What You Did Last Summer TV series. I've only seen the first episode, just the pilot. So far, so good. The pilot blew me away. And I think that if anyone's unsure on whether or not to watch it, I thought it was just going to be like a teen, like kind of, because um, I like the movie, but I thought it was just going to be like a throwaway teen series. The first episode is so gripping and is has such a weird look to it but not only that it has such a it has such weird choices to it that i i recommend it for any fans of the genre but any fans that just want something to throw on that will keep them on their toes because it's a really weird and um interesting show so far about a group of teens that have an instance that that happened to the previous summer and then uh what what will happen since then if you've seen the movie this has kind of um it takes some liberties to the sim- similarities of the movie, but at the same time, it's a very original look at um, kind of like teens that get in trouble. I, I really like it so far. I'm hoping to watch more of it. Nice. I, def- I-, I saw that advertised. I'm looking forward to that one too. I got to check that out. Good recommendations all around everybody. Yeah, no, I'm going to check that out too. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, and congratulations, Joel. I know we said it off air before that on, uh, on your new arrival to your family coming up soon too. It's kind of exciting. We both have, uh, we're both expecting in, in November too. So yeah, we both taking some time off around the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we, anyway, let's, uh, 
we don't have anything um anything lined up for when we come back yet khalid so there's no like preview for next episode but i did want to before anyone uh, before we close out i wanted to point out we have mentioned in the past that if you give us a a five-star rating we would try to read them on air and we got a new five-star rating khalid we did we did wow this is actually news to me on apple we got a rating uh earlier this month and from Corey 3547 he says this show slaps what And and the review states this show has a lot to say, and it says it in the coolest and most bombastic way ever. Sit back, sit back, relax, and enjoy a laugh with these monster aficionados. So high praise. Wow. Thank you, thank Corey. You. Thank you, Corey3547. We appreciate your listenership. Yeah. The bombast is all for you. Yeah. Um, I also want to say that uh, there are actually there were some reviews that I never saw from a long time ago on different platforms. Friend of the friend of the podcast and loyal friend and Steen friend and Stein. One last time. Brendan Stein, Ryan Mintz left a nice review for us on Castbox, which he uses. And we also got a nice review on Audible from someone named Landon, uh, who was really commenting on the uh, Uzumaki episode with Jim Tamberg. So I want to thank those guys for the reviews. I didn't mention those when they came out back in the day. Um, but uh, yeah, if you if you like this podcast, it's a, it'd be huge for you to leave us a nice review, give us a nice rating so other people, other monster fans in the world could find us and maybe we could do some collabs with uh, with other monster aficionados out there more often. So like Joel Brewster, Joel H. Brewster of West Coast Strange. So yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, Joel, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's a, it's a special one and it was, uh, it was great to have you back on uh, as our one of our recurring guests and we'll definitely keep having you on in the future when we come back in uh in the spring ideally probably early spring maybe still late winter era that would be awesome it's always a pleasure thank you guys so much um i i don't think i've ever told you guys this but i listen to your show you know that i listen to your show all the time i listen to it at work and i'm not kidding when i say this i have to pause it before you lead into a four bears for the joke and then the reaction, I have to pause it or else I'll laugh out loud at work. So being on the show to have it happen too is always been a pleasure. And I actually had to cover my mouth. I just everything about the lead up to it when I know it's coming kills me every single time, no matter how you guys yes. do it. So it's I've told you guys this a thousand times, my favorite podcast. I'm gonna miss you guys when you're gone. Joe, can't wait till you can get back. Um and I'll be on break at the same time. But uh yeah, I absolutely Pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks, man. It's really awesome talking to you as usual. Thank you. All right, Khalid. Uh, One last time. Yeah. uh, Until next time, which will be a while away, guys. uh, Do me a favor and creep it easy.